It's good to be here with you all. My name is Gil Clausen. My wife Alice and I have been a part of Forest Grove Church for around 30 years. Uh, it's been good. In summer, in July, I actually joined the church council. And uh, obviously as a church and a congregation, we're going through a bit of a transition period. And, and we're just wanting to communicate really well with the congregation. So there is a, a section on the website where there's council notes. I encourage you to go there and just look at the uh, different notes that we have. Um, Allison and I also, we work with a camp called Camp Oshkety, and we are, we're a different camp. We're not a kid's camp, but we are a family camp. So we do ministries for families, and I do have hot-off-the-press brochures. If you want more information, you can grab a brochure at the info booth at the back or come see us. Just a couple of things. We have a marriage retreat weekend coming up at the beginning of March, just in three weeks. And there's a couple in Ontario who have paid for a couple from Saskatchewan to go. So if you are here today and you need to, you need to get away on a marriage retreat, come talk to us because I have a, it's, it's paid for you. I just need to find out who that is. So please, come talk to us. Uh, one other thing is we do a, a spiritual a uh, personal spiritual retreat called Soul Hideaway. So if you need to get away for a little bit of a break and just spend time with God, this is facilitated with Karen Block, a member of our church, and this is at the end of May. Uh, but one other thing I want to point out, we have uh, just started as a church interpretation for the deaf and hard of hearing community, and it's happening over here on the side here, and, and I'm just so excited to see this. And uh, a couple of years ago, about four years ago, we partnered with the deaf and hearing community um, to run deaf and hard of hearing family camp. So we have a week of family camp just specifically for the deaf and hard of hearing. And so it's just been, it's been such a joy to be able to get to know this community and just the richness that they have. And this morning, I am going to attempt to teach you three of the most important words in any language including ASL, okay? So this is actions. Everybody has to participate, all right? So three of the most important words. Uh, first is Jesus. And Jesus is just, you take your finger like this and like this. So everybody together, okay? Take your finger like this and like this. And my apologies to the DHH community for, like, messing up your language. So, like, for two years I was doing it wrong. I was using the index finger. So it's the middle finger. So that's Jesus, okay? And then the next word is loves. And loves is this. Pretty simple. And then the last word is you. And you is just this. So we're going to do this together. Three of the most important words that you could know in any language. Jesus loves you. You guys are awesome. You guys are doing one more time, okay? Jesus loves you. And I want you to remember these words because this is the focus, this is the theme of the message here today, is that Jesus loves you. This is what today is about. We're going to read through Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to get my wife Allison to come read that in just a minute. But just how do we get? from Exodus 1 to Exodus 12. So at the beginning, it's all a story about following Moses, uh, and we've been following Moses in the Exodus from Egypt. And we first learned that God saw the plight of the, Egypt, uh, the Israelites, and they were being oppressed by the Egyptians. So God saw them. Uh, then 
God revealed himself to Moses in the form of the, the burning bush. And Moses was introduced to who this Yahweh God was. And last week we learned that God gave Moses signs and God sent him on a mission to free his people. And then we're going to jump ahead to 12. But in the, in the meantime, what has happened is uh, Moses has gone to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, why? In fact, Pharaoh doubled down and the slave, they were slaves. They were making bricks. And Pharaoh said, take away the straw. They need to get their own straw, but they still need to make the same amount of bricks. So in response to, to God's commandment to let my people go, Pharaoh doubled down on the harshness. And it was so bad that the Israelites, they came back to Moses and they go, Moses, what are you doing here? Ever since you got here, it's, it's, it's even worse. And Moses, he, he cries out to God. And he says this in Exodus 5.22. He questions God. He says, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And you have done nothing to rescue them. And then the story goes on to talk about nine different plagues where God is revealing himself to both the Israelites and the Egyptians. And then that brings us to Exodus chapter 12. Allison. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in that neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. This first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat or raw meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over the fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. Down to verse 26. Then your children will ask, what does the ceremony mean? 
And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he has passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the first, firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt, Egypt woke up during the night. A loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Let's just pause for a prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would be here. And through the reading of your word and through your spirit, just speaking to us, I pray that your spirit would just comfort and guide that your spirit would give us your truth for us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. There is just so much going on in Exodus 12. It is a, a very unique, it's actually a, a kind of a pivoting chapter in the Bible. Uh, right at the very beginning, it, it says in verse 2, from now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. So actually what's happening to the Israelites is their whole calendar year is being shifted to revolve around this event, the Passover event. God is doing something new here with them. Um, the next thing we see is that there's some very specific instructions here, and it goes into a lot of detail. And we actually skipped over some of the detail just for the sake of time here this morning. Um, but one thing it was, it, it was supposed to become an annual celebration for the Israelites so much so that the, when the children ask, why are we doing this? Generation after generation, their response is this. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. And so this became a, a tradition every year. The Israelites, as a nation, they did this. And another interesting component to this is there was, a, there was a community aspect to it, but there was also an individual aspect to it. So they did this all together as a whole community, but every person had something to do, and every person had to be involved. So it was a really unique mix. But there is something else that happens here, and, and I think it's a, a question. Every Egyptian household saw death. And, and when we talk about this passage and, and some other passages in the scriptures, a question often comes up. Could, could a good God really kill kids? It's a valid question. And uh, I, I want to mention three things here today as we discuss Exodus chapter 12. And uh, I think the first question is, is God is asking the Israelites and God is asking us this question. It's a key question. Will you trust me? God is saying, will you trust me? Um, January 2nd, I was able to have a, an opportunity to speak here. And I talked about, is God really good? And if you haven't had a chance to uh, watch that, you can go back in the archives and watch it online. It actually connects really well with this question. 
when God says, can you trust me? For the Israelites, he gave them very specific instructions on how to prepare the lamb and how to cook the lamb. And and they had to be uh, all ready to leave because this was all very quick. From the time of sundown until the time when they're actually leaving Egypt was just a few hours. And so they had to be prepared to leave for what uh, God was leading them to. But the question is, could God, a good God, really kill kids? And i got to say, in the next couple minutes, I can't explain this. We could talk about this for hours and hours. Um, and there's lots of different opinions on this. But this is where I think the bottom line comes to, God is saying to us, will you trust me? Will you trust me? We don't know if, if God was active in causing the death, like, like he was actually going there and doing the killing, or if he was allowing it to happen. The scriptures talk about there was a, an angel of death or the destroyer is going to come. And, and it could even be that God was, pro, was protecting people from what was about to happen. Um, but there's something about a good God. Because a good God also has to be a just God. A good God also has to be just. So God was asking the Israelites to trust him and follow his instructions. And I think even here today, God is asking us, will you trust me in this, that I am Yahweh, the creator God, I am good, but I am also just. The second thing I want to mention is this, is that God is patient in judgment. God is patient in judgment. First of all, in his dealing with the Egyptians, through the course of all ten plagues, he was giving them an opportunity to respond. Um, God was revealing himself to the world. There's a phrase that, that goes on over and over here. It says, so you will know that I am the Lord. In uh, Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7, he says this, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, Yahweh. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Through all of this, God is revealing himself to the Israelites and to the Egyptians. And in his dealing with the Egyptians, God is patient in his judgment with the Egyptians. Their oppression had been going on for hundreds of years. In Exodus 9, verses 15 and 16, this is partway through the plagues, God says this to say to Pharaoh. So this is to the Egyptians. Then you will know that there was no one like me in all the earth. By now, I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of this earth. But I have spared you for a purpose, to show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. See, the Egyptians had done so much that they deserved punishment. But God is saying, I have spared you for a purpose. 
I have spared you to show my power throughout all of the earth so that my name will be known and revered throughout all the earth. I would also like to point out that God isn't patient in judgment to the Egyptians. He's also patient in judgment to us. 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about um, in the end times, people are going to be going, where is God? You know, we haven't seen him. He's not here. Uh, We've heard about all these things. But in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, there's this verse, and I think it's a, a very important verse. It says, The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So, yeah, God is a good God. God is a a just God. And God desires for everybody to repent. And I believe he gives everybody opportunity. So, will you trust God? Because God is patient in his judgment. The third thing I would just like to point out here, just near the end, that this is a matter of life and death. This is a matter of life and death. As I read through Exodus chapter 12, and you know that they were told to put blood on the doorsteps. And when the angel of death came and they saw the blood on the doorposts, it would pass over that house. And the question I, I think about is, well, what happens if somebody didn't, pay, didn't do what they're supposed to do? What if they didn't put the blood on the doorposts? And right away, I have to assume that the angel of death would come to that house and there would be death in that house. See, the Israelites had to trust God in this. And they had, to, they had to put the blood on the doorposts as a sign that they are trusting God. It was a, it was a step of faith, and I, I don't know if this is something they did all the time. I don't think so. I think this was a little unique. And maybe some of them were thinking, you know, this is a little weird. Like, okay, like the lamb and all this other stuff, eating, like this is good, but putting blood on the doorpost, like that's a step too far. I'm not going to do it. But God asked them to step out in faith. The story doesn't end there. The story continues on. And I'm going to jump ahead to Jesus' time. Because I believe there's a strong connection between Exodus chapter 12 and Jesus. And it's, it's interesting. I believe that the Passover that the Israelites were uh, celebrating year after year after year after year was pointing to the future Jesus. Just before Jesus was about to be crucified, interestingly enough, it was Passover week. And if you look at Matthew chapter 26, the story is like this, is that the disciples... As according to their custom, every year they're celebrating the Passover. They say to Jesus, Jesus, how are we we going to celebrate the Passover feast? 
And Jesus said, well, if you go to this city, you're going to meet this man. He's going to take you to his house, and it's all going to be set up, and, and you can prepare the place for that. And so they did all that. And so there you have the disciples and Jesus all eating the Passover meal together. The timing is impeccable of this. And then at one point, in verses 27 and 28 of Matthew 26, Jesus did this. And he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them, saying, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And I can't imagine what was going through the minds of the disciples right there. Because they, they were used to doing this Passover celebration every year to celebrate the event that happened when God led them out of, Exodus, out of Egypt. But now Jesus is pointing everything to him. He's saying, this cup, this is my blood. It confirms the covenant between God and his people. And it's poured out as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins for many. You see, for us here, even in 2022, it's a matter of life and death. We need to trust God because God is patient in judgment. But we have to step out in faith. It's a matter of life and death. And I believe God is calling everybody to a relationship with him. Everybody to repentance. And just as I close here, I would like to give people, whether you're here in the building, whether you're online watching live or, or later, I believe God's Holy Spirit is present and He's calling people to Him. He's calling you. The first song that we sang, it had this phrase, Jesus is waiting, all your burdens, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. See, the the story of Exodus connects directly to the story of Jesus and what Jesus is offering to all of us here. And so I'm going to close in prayer in just a minute. And there could be somebody who you've never accepted Jesus' forgiveness for your sins. And this is an opportunity for you to... Uh, we're not going to paint blood on the doorposts. But you can say to God, God, I am sorry, I repent, and I want to follow you. I believe in you, and I'm thankful for your death on the cross, and your blood has covered me, and you've given me the opportunity to move from death to life. And I want to give that opportunity. But there's a second opportunity here for a lot of us. And there is one of the things that Pharaoh did is he hardened his heart to God. And there's a lot of people who harden their hearts to God. And my question is, where is your heart with God? And is your heart soft to God? Maybe there's something that God has been working on you and, and you're resisting and you're going like, I don't know, God is just too much. I can't trust you with this. I can't trust you with that. It's a situation that you're going through. It's something that you have. And it's just like, you're resisting God's leading. So the question is, is your heart soft 
towards God. Because I believe something we can learn from the story in Exodus 12 and Pharaoh is that we need to keep our hearts soft to God. So let's pray. And as I pray, sometimes people need an external, uh, something to do physically, externally, to show what's going on internally. And if if you need to, we can't paint blood on doorposts. The church said no. (laughs) But if you want, as a physical commitment to God, if, if you just want to raise your hand up to say unto God, God, I want to have a soft heart to you. I want to accept your forgiveness and freedom. You can do that. It's not a magic thing or anything special. It's just a symbol. Something that you want to do to God and say, God, I want you to come to my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your scriptures that guide us into truth. I thank you so much for how your spirit has revealed you, Yahweh, to us throughout the generations and how you are calling us to you from death to life. And Father God, I just pray right now, I pray for those who are in the room, who are online watching, and they have never stepped into a relationship with you. They've never accepted your forgiveness And I just pray that your spirit would touch their hearts and that they would open their lives to you, that they would soften their hearts and that you would come into their life and you would make them brand new. And Father, for others of us, we admit that our hearts have become hard towards you. We are doing things our own way banging our heads against the wall, and it's just not working. And so, God, I just pray that your Spirit would soften our hearts. Help us to trust you, to love you, and to follow you with all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.